recording from my mother's basement like the true blogger I am. You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast with your hosts, Olsen and Gio. Do you know July 1st is a great day in Canada? Uh, no, I don't. I didn't know that. I didn't know what, what's been happening today. Today's Canada Day. Nothing else. That's all that matters. Yeah, I guess it's also the day. Uh, today is also the day the golden eyes, gold eyes loss. Kind eh. of disappointing. Eh, to be honest, it's Canada Day. That's more important. Yeah, that's true. Well, Canada Day. It's for the Americans listeners, or for any people who aren't from Canada Day. Canada Day, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. You know, it's a national. What's it called? National Day of. It's uh, Canada's Day. day. Okay, yeah, let's put it as Canada's Day, basically, and yeah, and you know, July first also marks a pretty important day in the NHL season, right? What is it? Oh, I don't know. I think it's the start of uh, the free agent frenzy time. What is a free agent frenzy, Jeffrey? I don't know. It's just when teams can just go crazy and just sign all these random players to like random contracts and just dole out big amounts of cash to everyone. Um, were there good contracts at least? Uh. Well, I mean, like, the thing is with all these contracts, like, they had to play first, right? Like, you can't tell if a contract's good until they've, you know, put skates on, put on the jersey, and, you know, actually play, to play for the term of their entire contract. And then you can kind of know if they're a good, uh, well, if they're a good contract or not. Well, there's some that pass the eye test and some that don't pass the eye test. Don't you think so? Yeah, I mean, like, there are definitely... Well, I mean, like, there's been so many deals, and, like, today, today's been a bit busy day for me and Olsen. We're here in Winnipeg right now, and uh, we haven't been able to catch up on all the, the news for the NHL, so we're just going to kind of go for a couple of quick ones. But, I mean, there are a couple of, you know, solid deals, I think. There are definitely some uh, trades as well. I didn't think we'd see um, so many trades on July 1st. I mean, I think all the GMs would probably be busy trying to talk to player agents and everything, but they somehow were able to talk to each other and come up with some deals still. Hey, Jeffrey. Yes? So we're an explicit podcast, right? Yes. Uh, I make sure that I click that box every time we, I upload the, uh, whatchamacallit, the podcast. The fuck is the Blackhawks doing? That's that's a very, very, very good question. I mean, where does it really start? I mean, the, the Matha trade, maybe? Is that where their offseason kind of started going downwards? Well, the big one for me is the Shaw trade, is it not? Yeah, I mean, they basically reacquired Shaw. When they traded Shaw to the Canadians, it was for, was it two seconds? And, well, I mean, one, they're, they're high seconds too, I think, right? Like, there are, um, one was like the 36th, one was the 45th, and one of those picks was actually uh, Alex DeBrincat. But um, and now well, Chicago has reacquired uh, Andrew Shaw and a 7th for basically a second, third, and seventh. So, so basically... Instead of a second, they got a third and a seventh instead. Yeah, and they also get an older Andrew Shaw with a more expensive Andrew Shaw. Older, less expensive. And doesn't it seem like these are very like physical guys tend to you know not do so well when they're regressing? Well, I mean, he is 27, so I'm not saying like he's going to regress. But um, I do know another physical player that um, also deteriorated pretty quickly at uh, 27, uh, Mr. Uh, Milan Lucic. Well, there's my point here. Yeah, so I, I don't, I'm not. I think. Well, I mean, like, there's a reason why Chicago wanted him back. It wasn't like another team wanted Andrew Shaw, right? Like they've seen Andrew Shaw play for them, so they kind of know what they're getting with him. I mean, his cap hit is 
quite high for a guy I think who's going to be like a third line guy. Maybe some penalty. Like he, I think he plays on a penalty kill too, right? So and well, he's a net front presence if they do need him as like on the power play or anything as like an offensive type. But like he has some value. But I mean, three point nine million. Though, like this is well, I mean, this isn't really a free agent deal, but like still, three point nine million dollars for a third line guy who, you know, he can play in all situations. But is he really worth three point nine million? I don't think he's it's he's ever really been worth how much he's getting paid. Though. Have you not noticed that? Yeah, like um, I mean, he's he he was a good player in Montreal, I feel, but um, I don't really don't know what he's going to do in Chicago, especially like combined with the other deals, right? They got Dehan, they got Matt, like, both guys who are making over four million, and like it doesn't make sense. Like they look like they're a team that's rebuilding, but then all of a sudden it looked like they tried to speed up the rebuild, but. I don't think that that was the right move for them. Like getting three, not veterans, but like three, any like solid mid-level NHL players, like from a team that wasn't really that good this year. You know, you know what Chicago right now reminds me of. Which team? so like so like you know when you play some video games sometimes you know especially like the NHLs or the like the sport video games. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have like some guys that every time you start a career mode or a GM mode or something like that, those are your guys. Like you just have to get them for every single one of your career modes or GM modes. Yeah. And Scotty Bowman is just like, well, for me, that is Brendan Saad and Andrew Shaw. And right now in his head, he's just rebuilding another dynasty. And he has to have those go to guys in his dynasty. Yeah. And like, I think the big thing too, right? Andrew, both Shaw. Dahan and Mata, they're all signed for three more years, including like the upcoming season, right? So it's not like it's like a well, it's not like the rentals or anything. Like you have a like this is basically they're saying that oh, we have a three-year window type of thing, and I mean it kind of makes sense because you know Kane and Taves have only four years left on their contract, but I don't think they're competitive enough, especially in the Central, right? To like you know contend for the Cup at this point. Like I don't think they have the team set to win around Kane and Taves. So my point, I guess, is no one really knows what's going on. No, and like, I mean, I've harped to you off off the podcast, like, like their defense right now, right? Their top five defender defenders are all signed for three years or more: Seabrook, Keith, Dehan, Mata, and Murphy. Which I mean, like, it, it's a decent top five, I would say, right, Olsen? Decent. I'd say it's somewhat decent. Yeah, and then you've got Gustafson, who's had who had a quiet breakout year for him for sure. I mean, he put up uh, some fairly good points, you know, sixty points, right? Like that's quite a bit for a defenseman, and people didn't hear much because Blackhawks were crap. But then you have to also remember you've got Yoka Harju and Botquist in the, um, juniors and the minors. You got Nicholas Bodin coming up. So where are you going to fit these guys? I think these guys are maybe one year, two years at the most away, and you've got five defensemen signed for three more years, right? Like, you're going to have to move those contracts. So it didn't make sense to trade for Dahan and Mata and, I mean, previously Murphy, right? So I'm just confused at where they think they're going. Like, I guess they think they're contenders for the next season or two. All right, with that being said, let's move on to another another deal. Mm-hmm. You being a Toronto guy, Toronto had two deals. Yeah. Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's go in like chronological order. I think it makes sense to do this chronological. I mean, 
the the Toronto Ottawa trade, I think everyone kind of knew it was going to happen. Like people were talking about it before it was going to happen, just because you know they had to wait until July first so that the Leafs could pay Zaitsev's signing bonus, and then the trade could go through. So. I think that was pretty much in the know the day before on June 30th that that year was going to go. Um, the trade was um, uh, going to Toronto was uh, Cody Cece, Ben Harper, and um, Adam. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Yeah, I got help here. You gonna, I'm going to let you try to try this one out. It, it, no, not Adam. Aaron Luchuk. 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 Let's go Luchuk. And a 2023rd. For um, Connor Brown, Nikita Zaitsev, and Michael Carcone. Sarcone. Uh, Carcone. Carcone? Carcone? Yeah. Um, I don't know. How, what are your thoughts on this deal? I mean, like, I have my thoughts, but I want to hear yours. So, uh, for me, it's villain for villain. <laughs> Simple as that. And for me, that's fine, you know. For the deals at the, the Leafs, D, you know, coming to an end around the times. The next couple of years, you don't have an anchor like Zedsef that you have to plan around of. You know, that's important. Um, I actually think CC's not as bad as Ottawa makes him sound. I think he does have a lot of opportunity there. You know, he's he just needs to really take it. And, you know, it's a new home and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, the negativity that comes with it right now. Um, in terms of Ben Harper, again, I like it. Not a bad, not the worst thing in the world. You know what? Another defenseman. Could basically, be another Martin Marincin, basically. Another tall, a, tall guy with a long yeah. stick. So it's Martin Marincin, and he's buryable. <laughs> so if anything, you know, it's 24, you can bury him, not a problem. You know, if anything, you need time, you just bury him. Um, in terms of Luchuk, for me, it's really a non-factor last year he played in the ECHL mostly 22 points um played 27 games with the Belleville Sanders as well had nine points as a center maybe they see something for him in the Marley side um I don't <laughs> simple as it sounds I don't really see something there again he is only 22 so you never know right but he's only signed through next year and um I guess if he doesn't be he doesn't perform up to standards he can uh, he can be let go. And a uh, little fun fact for Jeffrey here. He's actually born in Kingston. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that Kingston boy. But, that's pretty you know, cool. He's an he, he's a ECHL player, I think. Like, that's where he played. Maybe he gets a chance in the Marlies. But, I mean, the Marlies, well, it depends on how many people they graduate from the Marlies system into the, onto the, the Leafs next season, right? Like, they're going to be cap-strapped a little bit. and. I definitely like the return that the, uh, I mean, the Sens got playable players. If I'm not being too rude saying that, right? Like they got players that could be fillers on their team, almost, right? Like Nikita Zaitsev on their team, you know, gives them a guy basically that can play D and who's willing to give it a try in Ottawa. Um, Connor Brown's probably gonna be their First line right winger, maybe second line, but he can pot 20 goals, you know, trade him at the deadline, you know. They're just guys that, you know, can at least play for the team, right? CC yeah. wanted to stay in Ottawa, I think, but they just couldn't come up with an agreement. And basically the other two, like Harper, they've got they've got a pretty solid 
defense coming up with Shabbat, DeMello, um, Lejoie, especially Branstrom all coming up. I mean, they could get rid of Harper. So, I mean, I don't mind the return. I, I just, I also don't get how the Leafs got a third as well. But I guess because CC is like no, the, the third is for Columbus's third, so you know, it's not worth as much as uh, Ottawa third. I think most people do expect Columbus to do better than Ottawa next season, so that is something, I guess. Well, I'm, okay, the fact that they got a pick, I guess, because CC is an RFA, and like I think the 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 rumors have that CC he's going to sign like a one year four point five million deal. Like they had a verbal agreement already, so I mean that's so it's basically a done deal already. So I, I I'm just surprised that the Leafs were still able to acquire like an asset still. Like I mean a third's not much of an asset, but still it could be used for something, especially at the trade deadline. So I, I'm I'm I think this deal works out for both teams. I mean you have to understand there's one great like important thing here. Um, so. When you have something like this, like a deal like this for sites of, that's a lot of planning done for you in your salary cap. And that's planning that Ottawa doesn't have to do to reach the salary cap floor. Well, I mean, there's, there's still have a, quite some difficulty reaching the uh, cap floor, I think, right now. Like on Cap Friendly, this says they have 22 million remaining. I, th- I think they're still, yeah, they're still. They're, they're almost like cap floor, you know? They have one more roster spot they can use. You know, they can overpay a fourth-line guy to be their first-line left wing, you know? They still have some cap to play with, I guess. So how much space do they have to the cap floor? Uh, on cap-friendly, it says $1.54 million, But, I mean, like, I think you still have to play with the fact, right? Like, MacArthur and Hosa need to go on LTIR and... And then that opens up even more cap space, right? Do so, they have to go on LTIR? Can they not just go on IR? Yeah, but I think that still counts. That takes away the, their caps are removed from like your team cap, right? Your team cap hit. That is true. Well, I mean, you I want just have on the press box. LTIR not just you don't just get the cap space. That means you can go over by that much. Yeah. Yeah, so like, so they're not going to go over, so it doesn't affect the cap floor, does it? No, so uh, yeah, maybe it doesn't, but like, I I don't know if on cap friendly, if Hosa and like MacArthur, I feel like I said someone else's name except MacArthur's, but yeah, Hosa and, and MacArthur, yeah, Hosa and MacArthur. I think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't. I think their cap hits are combined with into the projected cap hit on cap friendly. So basically, they almost have like. They basically have like over thirty million, I'm guessing, still. So, but there's not. We're all gonna agree that they're not gonna spend the thirty million. Well, I think like the best thing for Ottawa to do is use that cap space to get assets back. I mean, there are teams that, well, I mean, after all the deals, there's definitely some teams that maybe they still want some extra cap space so that they can um, sign some players still who are still available in free agency. But I mean. Like, there's not much left out there, I would say, right now. So, only, like, a team that's very desperate wants to make some cap space that they can, like, play around with throughout the season. They should be contacting Ottawa, and Ottawa should... Well, Ottawa should be contacting them so that they can get some assets back and, you know, start rebuilding this team properly. Well, I mean, they still have to sign Colin White, so, I mean, they could just overpay Colin White if they really wanted to. 
I mean, but then you don't want to overpay him for a long run, right? You want to overpay him in the short run. Yeah. Keep that flexibility there. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it, it's going to be... It, Pierre Dorian has his job cut out, but for other, for some teams, it's trying to stay below the cap, um, below the, the ceiling, and for him, it's trying to get to the cap floor. So, you know, that's just... All right, moving on. What's the next trade? Uh, you want to stick with Toronto or? Yeah, Toronto. Okay, so there's the other Toronto trade, also for a right-handed defenseman. Um, so that was going with Colorado. So going to Toronto was um, Tyson Berry and Alexander Kerfoot and a 2026 for Nazem Kadri, Kelly Rosen, and a 2023. So I think that kind of explains why we got a 2023 from in the Ottawa trade, so that the Leafs can trade away their 2023 to Colorado. Well, I mean, you can't. I guess that makes sense. Or you can't have, you can't have another guy take away another pick, and now you lost your first next year and your third. Yeah. So, I mean, this is it's gonna be. I I don't know about this deal. Like, I'm. They got like half of Barry's salary retained. So, you know, that gives them the flexibility to still sign Mitch Marner. And I guess now they also have to resign Alexander Kerfoot, who's also an RFA. He has um, arbitration rights, but I don't know if he's asked for arbitration yet or if he's like, I don't know about that because he just came in. But like that they got Barry um, ret- like half retained at least. And again, Kerfoot, like I don't, like I think people don't realize that Kerfoot could actually be quite a player for the Leafs. I mean, he he's kind of like he's a middle six forward, I think. He's a late bloomer. Like he was a fifth round pick in 2012, but he didn't really stick, play in the NHL until 2017, right? So he took the college route, smart kid, went to Harvard. And, you know, I think he, he has some potential. He could be someone that the Leafs could really utilize maybe next year. So it'll be interesting, but I, I'm I'm really interested with the Barry and um, because what what do you think the the D pairs are going to be with Barry and I guess CC and mix now as well. Okay, but so the issue is, all right, so they got all these players, and if you take away, so let's assume Cody CC does get four and a half million dollars, yeah. right? There is under seven million left for Marner. Kerfoot for those two RFAs. Well, and then you have to t- take in the fact that also, right, like you put Nathan Horton in onto LTIR that opens up 5.3 and then you also remember, you, like, right now, like, the one thing I'm not really happy about Cat Friendly is, like, right now it, like, it puts, like, all these players on the NHL roster, but, I mean, some of them do get sent down, right? So, like, you will save some cap on um for the team right like i don't think like like agostino gotier like gravel they're not gonna be on the actual team come the start of the season right so you're gonna see like the cap might actually change so like you would have to like go through the team and see like which 12 are actually going to be on the team first before you can really see but i think they they've opened enough cap space but, I mean, like, the main thing is they want to make sure they sign Marner at least, right? If they don't get Kerfoot signed right away, that's fine for now, right? They can wait a bit later and then sign him. So, 
Now that's just my thought. Okay, so let's say you even add Nathan Horn's 5.3, though. That still is 16 million for yeah. Kerfoot and, and Marner. Can you, do you think, unless they go the bridge deal route, do you actually think that for 16 million they can get both of them and well, add on at some more depth? Well, I think they, like, if they sign Kerfoot and Marner, that's 14 forwards. Plus, you still have got guys like Bracco, Engvall. Marchment still in the minors. So, I mean, like, those can change, right? You've got Nick Shore, Agostino, and Gautier two on, like, um, two-way deals. So, like, they can be sent down. So, there's some flexibility around the team. But I, I do agree. Like, there's, like, once you see the final numbers, then we'll really be able to see, like, how much you want to sign. But I think the big thing is, like, Mitch Martin is not getting $12 million, right? Like, I think no. we've seen through basically just this um, free agency, right? Tyler Myers, oh, he's going to get eight years at, no, seven years at, was it eight million, you're saying? And then Andres Lee was going to get like north of nine million. And then when July 1st hits, Tyler Myers signs five years, six million per. Andres Lee signs seven million over seven years, right? Like, the ex- expectations for Marner getting 12 million, I think, are they're going to be significantly lower now that we've seen in free agency that teams aren't buying into these rumors that agents are putting out that they're going to sign for 10 plus million, right? I think only, like, really only one player really signed for 10 plus million this uh, free agency so far, right? Two. Two. Panera and Bobrovsky. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess, well, okay, let's say, yeah. Did Bobrovsky make 10 million exact or? Yeah. Okay. And Panera making the second, he's now the second highest. Well, he's got the second highest AAV cap hit, I guess, in the entire NHL now, right? Yep. So I don't know. <laughs> remember, remember how we said, like, you know, the Rangers are gonna start rebuilding. Boy, have they rebuilt quickly! Oh, the Rangers, the Rangers, the Rangers, the Rangers, Rangers. Well, to to be able to afford Panarin, they really have to clean up some space, didn't they? Who? Jimmy VC. <sighs> I I think that's a that's not much of a like for to me it doesn't mean much. I mean he has one year left. I don't know if they had they were going to be able to sign him, but like I think they're still like looking to move on from some of the assets, right? Like I mean they could you know re-sign some of their guys like Kreider, Nemestikov, and stuff and Desper Fast, but at the same time they have Panarin for the next seven years right so they still have that window for seven years basically to kind of start like rebuilding and retooling now so maybe they sell off their guys one last year and then they really start you know building up but you know Panarin's still young he's 27 so like he's definitely gonna still be a good player like three four years into his deal so I mean well, the big thing is in like three four years it's like Five six years after, like near the end of the deal, when he's like 33, 34, still making 12 and a half. That's when you're really like somewhat concerned, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, you have, I think you had to offer the seven years for him to resign. He likes the New York, like, lifestyle, I'm guessing, but I think, I mean, having, the New York lifestyle is pretty enticing if you're a city, if you're a big city person. Yeah, so um, I, I'm just surprised. Like the second highest amount, like New York must have, like there must have been quite the bidding war for them to go 
over like 11 like 115 because i think they were saying like he had already like the he uh declined the offer and from columbus for 12 million he also declined florida but i think florida offered him less than 12 so <coughs> i think Blinger just went for the money here sorry about that so chances are like knowing how the league has been operating a little bit what are the odds that Chicago <laughs> offered a deal for Panarin. Well, I mean, I guess they had the cap space, but well, not really. After all those trades they made, they had like zero cap space. They could have offered him maybe, but I don't think Panarin wants to go back because I mean, well, I'm not saying Panarin wanted to go back. I'm just saying did they offer it just because? Hey, glory days! Well, I <laughs> well. Panera never won a cup with Chicago, so he never got to experience the glory days. I don't think he. I don't think he won a cup, did he? No, not with them. No. Yeah, so like maybe he didn't experience the glory days. He was a part of the original, you know, glory days, so he couldn't be uh, traded for. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think the Panera deal it's it's definitely a lot of cap, and yeah. a lot of money to pay for him. But I mean. New York got him, and now they get to enjoy him for seven years. And for a team that has built up the assets, it's got the prospects, and they're they're good teams slowly just growing. So I mean, they could turn into a force in you know two three years. They got Capo Caco too at the draft, right? Like this is a team that's rebuilding on the fly, and they're they're doing the right thing right now. I think it's kind of like you know when they, I guess when the Leafs. Uh, not really, I guess. When the Leafs signed John Tavares, so that's not really comparable. But like, he's he's in his prime. He can be playing while the team is, you know, retooling, and you know, especially in the Metro, where like, I mean, some of the teams are starting to like fall off a little bit. Like the Rangers could surprise. Them. It could be like the Canadians of the 2019-2020 season. Yeah. So, the thing is, I don't know how I how to phrase this. The New York Rangers have rebuilt it correctly. I think that's probably the best term. Yeah. And I think that's really how teams should be focusing on mm-hmm. it and how they should be approaching it. And I don't see many teams doing that. I think when you look at certain teams such as Vegas, you really just tried to jump the ship a little bit. And as a result, have had to do some bad trades to really clean up the cap. Do you know uh, what I'm getting here, Jeffrey? Well, Vegas never Vegas never rebuilt. I guess, like I built. think they're really, they built. Yeah, I think they like they never thought that they'd be this good, right? That's the big thing, right? They thought they were, you know, pretty bad for the first, like, not bad, bad, but, like, mediocre for the first couple of years, and then they're going to, they didn't expect to reach the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year. I think that's what I'm trying to say. So, but, uh, so I can't really say them as rebuilding, but, like, they have kind of screwed themselves financially, like, with the salary cap being so low, and, yeah, they've they've had to, like, basically get rid of, Basically, they got rid of Hala and Colin Miller just to make sure that they were under the cap. And 
these guys are quality guys, though. That's the thing. Well, Hollow is definitely a quality guy. Miller, it's near the end of his time in Vegas. You know, he was in the dog house. I mean, I, I think they could have started a bidding war for Colin Miller just because, you know, right shot D, top four defenseman. But, you know, I think everyone knew Vegas was in trouble. So um, Buffalo just took advantage of that. I don't know. I don't I think with me when I look at Vegas was, uh, yeah, I don't think they were expecting me that good that quickly, and as a result, they kind of just jumped the gun a little yeah. bit. And you know, right now they're still three million over. And sure, you can you can, once you put in David Clarkson's uh, uh, LTIR, you're you should be fine. But you still have five defensemen. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I don't know if they're going to move anyone else, maybe. I think Ryan Reeves has to be someone you move. Like, you can't have a guy who plays eight minutes a night making just, like, 2.775. Because I'm, like, you, you can bury some contracts, sure, like like a William Carrier or a Valentin Zykov, but you, but that's not enough because they don't even have a backup goalie at this point. Well, like no, like those aren't the guys you bury. Like you would bury guys. You would bury Ryan. Like, you would try to bury Ryan Reeves, or at least trade him. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you can buy him out, really. But like, the thing is, like, they they signed some guys to like long extensions, right? Like Mark Stone, William Carlson, like William Carlson, and like Alex Tuck. Like those are some long term contracts. You can kind of start seeing why Florida bundled Smith and Marcus show together and you know Pacioretty and Stastny are making over 6.5 each right so like they're quite heavy up top but like they still I think they still got a little bit of wiggle room to kind of fill out their depth but I think they're still one trade away from you know kind of solving this entire situation one trade can you, do you think you can even do it in one trade I think there's like if you can move Riley Smith, maybe if you can get a team to like take on the five million and like not take back too much money, I think you can make that work. Because like Cody Eakin, you keep because I think it was between Eakin and Halla, and they traded yeah. Halla because Halla had a bit more value, even though he didn't have the cap hit. But like Eakin, as a third line center, shouldn't be making that much. So like, you can resign him next year, or you know just let him go into free agency. But the like, if they can get someone like the best case scenario, I think, is if they get rid of Smith. Um, like most realistic is probably to get someone to take Ryan Reeves' contract. Yeah. Hello, Ottawa Senators, or you know, like some can also take the Clarkson deal as well, right? Like you package Clarkson with, I don't know who you package him with, because, but like still, like I think they still need one more trade, and then their cap situation will be, you know, be better and. They won't be over the cap, hopefully. Yeah. So, Ottawa is like the new dumping ground for, for salary, is it not? Yeah, they're, they're Arizona North, I guess. So well, speaking if, of, but, yeah. Speaking of Arizona, they're no longer the dumping ground anymore, are they? Uh, uh, no, they're not. Like, now, now, now that they actually have an owner, um, now that they actually you know are willing to like pay for like pay players, I think, you know, they 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 made an interesting trade for sure. This 
before. Um, so for our listeners who may who may have missed that, what is the trade? Um. Oh shit! I got to pull it up. Uh, it was Phil Kessel going from Pittsburgh to Arizona, along with Dane Burks and a twenty twenty fourth first, twenty twenty first fourth for Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Olivier Joseph. So, what do you what can you tell us about the two prospects? Dane Burks, nothing. Pierre Olivier Joseph, um. I think he's uh I don't know if he's a left shot or right shot D, but like he was a first round D like not too long ago. I think they like he's a decent prospect, I know for sure, and I think that's something like Pittsburgh wanted. They wanted like a like a decent prospect if they're gonna trade Kessel. But yeah, sorry if Dean Burks is listening, I didn't really do much prep on you, I guess, unfortunately. I'm very sorry about that. So I had a feeling Kessel was a little blindsided by this because the statement he released after was kind of say, "Hey, I never really asked for a trade. It's more just like, uh, whoa, hold up. I wasn't expecting to go to Arizona of all teams. I didn't know Arizona would be interested in him." Yeah, well, like the big thing too, right? Arizona wasn't on his like no trade list, so like he could he didn't have to be notified. But, but was I mean, he on there because wasn't he? They not on there because he was he wasn't expecting that they. would you know, spend the money to get a guy like him. Well, I think maybe also the fact that he knew like Rick Tockett. Yep. Yeah, like he's an he's the coach in Arizona. He was like the Kessel whisperer. They're calling him when he ran on those two cup runs in Pittsburgh, right? So, I think he was maybe he just had them off his no team trailers because he's like, hey, I wouldn't mind working with Rick again. So maybe that's why. But I think, I mean, Phil Kessel had a hell of a year again. This like this last season, so I mean, Arizona. The big thing was like they couldn't score, right? So adding Phil Kessel hopefully kind of solves that problem. I'm curious who he plays with. Like, would he play alongside like a Clayton Keller, Derek Stepan? So you know, I think it's it, it, it's a I think it's a good deal for Arizona. Um and they only really they didn't really give up too much I feel for Phil Kessel. Okay, with that being said, July first is free agent frenzy, not trade trade frenzy. Yeah, well, I mean that Phil Kessel trade wasn't July first, but I feel like you know it's still kind of important type of trade to talk about. It is Phil Kessel, you know, he's a, I dare say he's a top thirty player in the league. Okay, you might be like exaggerating a little bit, but um, but the top thirty score in the league. Uh, you know what, Jeffrey? Jeffrey loves his, loves two things. He loves talking about exaggerating on his scores, I guess, and offer sheets. Oh, I see. I see that transition there, Mister uh, Austin. So, tell us about it. Um. So I've told you that there's going to be an offer sheet, Austin. You didn't believe me. Uh, it wasn't someone that we talked about, but it was something that was going around the rumor mill. Sebastian Ojo of the Hurricanes was offshooted by um, the Montreal Canadiens. And um, it, I, I, I actually, it can go both ways, I think, in whether Carolina matches it or doesn't match it, really. Like, I think the big thing is just the signing bonuses or could scare off Tom Dundon. So what are these signing bonuses? 
so the first year, it's $11.3 million of signing bonuses. Like, that's almost as much as what Panarin's going to make in a season as far as his salary. And, like, and his AAV is 8.454. So, like, the return that um, the Canes would get would be, like, a first, second, and a third, I believe. So it's fine to give up first thing and third for a guy like Aho. For Aho, like you should be you you want you want to be getting back like more than the first at least, right? You want to be getting like two first, a second, and I don't know, but like I think that especially I don't know, like the AAV makes it look like it's easy for Carolina to fit that under their cap structure. But I think it's the signing bonuses that could scare off, um, that could scare off uh, Tom Dundon and the Canes, and especially with you know if there is a lockout, it's a pretty lockout proof contract too, right? So, like the the Canes want to be paying those signing bonuses when they're just when they're in a lockout as well, right? Like it's it's gonna be a tough decision I think for the Canes. So what do you think they end up doing? <sighs> I think. I think the Canes have to match it, right? Like, a first, second, and third is not going to do you anything, really. Um, I guess they could maybe use those picks and go try to go after another RFA and, like, start a cycle. Like, the thing is, too, right? Like, it's not like Montreal had an RFA or anything that they needed to, you know, like, sign on themselves, right? So it could possibly start, like, this butterfly effect of, you know, teams going after other people's RFAs and not signing their own just because Montreal went after Aho, right? But, so just so like I think, your wet dream. Uh, basically, yeah, I guess. So, like, I, like you, I think they have to match, right? Like, you can't lose Aho, right? He's basically, like, he's basically their captain, really. Like, well, not captain. Like, he's the star of the future. I'm going to entertain your wet dream a little bit. They can just like offer sheet someone else. They have all their picks. Yeah, but like at the same time, it's like, is there someone out there who wants to come to Carolina, or is there someone that they've looked at that they want to bring in? Like, that I'm thinking they want to bring in a center. Like, do they go after Braden Point? Like I guess they Mitchell Marner. Well, I don't think they need a they need a center. I think so. I don't think Mitchell center. Uh, not he hasn't played that at the NHL level for ever, I think, right? So maybe he's not the guy, but I think I think you have you go after you go after a guy like Braden Point, right? You need a nice center, so you go after Point, and then you know Tampa works his magic and steals someone else, and then I don't know. I, but the big thing right now is that offer shooting offer shooting Aho has kind of like put a pause on the Canadian like Montreal's plan now, right? Like. They've got that money tied up. They have to wait until the Canes respond, and they can't really make any big moves after that, right? So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting week in North Carolina. All right. With that being said, there's one deal that you really liked, and that was Timo Myers' deal. Why? Uh, uh, six million for a third goal score. I think a lot of. GMs that have RFAs who also scored 30 goals are going to be really happy about. Like, I get that he... It's only four years too, right? So they keep him as an RFA 
he has one more RFA season with arbitration rights, and then he goes into UFA. So this is a I think it's a very 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 team friendly deal, especially with you know San Jose. They're also very they're also very tight to the cap as well with all their players. So and like they did have to lose a couple of players, which we'll talk about later. But Timo Meyer, he's twenty two, and he's going to make six million for the next four years. Like I think that's like that's a very, very good deal for him, and well, and also good for San Jose Sharks. I mean, he gets mix six million, and the San Jose Sharks get thirty goal scorer for only six million dollars for the next four years. So for me, the the deal that I think we kind of touched on, but I really want to talk about specifically is the Panarin deal, like twelve million dollars, twelve and a half. But was he not supposed to go to Panthers with Bobrovsky? Was that not the the conspiracy all along? You know, yeah. Uh, I think it was, but Florida, I guess they were saying Florida just didn't have enough money to, like, pay for, like, a Panera. Like, but the thing is, like, everyone talks about the ca- uh, tax structure in Florida and how it's so favorable and everything. They didn't have to pay specifically the same amount as a tax-heavier city like New York. Uh, I guess, but there, there must have been something, the reason why, like... I mean, I don't think that the Panthers, well, maybe, like, the Panarin deal came before, like, the Straw Man and the Brett Connolly deal, but, like, they did have the money, so it must have been something about, like, when they pitched to Panarin, maybe Panarin didn't like something about going to um going to Florida, so that's why he went to New York. So, I mean, maybe it's not about the money, maybe it's about, you know, Panthers never have a winning culture, they don't have a goalie, well, now they do, but, I mean, like, Panthers, maybe Panarin wants a cup, right, so... He thinks maybe the Rangers give him the best chance, so maybe that's why. But I mean, like I think we had to like the big thing was July first, right? Like we have to take time to look over everything all over again and kind of analyze things because everything's like here at the moment now. Like you, every couple of minutes, your phone rings and it shows you like the next signing, right? Like you don't have time to process everything in. Like me and you all seen like we barely had time to process all of these deals. I think that maybe next week when we look back at some of these deals, we'll, you know, have better understanding of some of these deals. So, Oh, man, like, July 1st tends to hand out some absolutely garbage deals, though. I think a lot of it's, like, a very quick initial gut reaction type of deal. So I think one of the infamous bad deals on July 1st is the 2016 UFA deal day, July 1st. So... Juan Lucic got seven years at forty-two million. Okposo got seven years, forty-two million. Andrew Ladd got seven years at thirty-eight point five. Louis Erickson got six years at thirty-six million. Franz Nielsen six years at thirty-one point two five. David Backus five years, thirty million. Darren Helm five years, nineteen point two five. Troy Brower four years and eighteen million. Will we look back and will we think about today being? like a similar day as we did in 2016 with all these bad deals a couple years later looking back and saying what on earth the GM's thinking I mean maybe I mean like it's been three years since that free agent period so I think we have to give at least this free agent period three years as well but I mean a lot of the signings like uh, like I don't mind 
some of the signings, but like as I said before, right, like we need to see them play first before we can say anything. So I think if we come back, if we're still doing this podcast three years later, maybe we can revisit and see if it's going to be as, as bad as the 2016 free agency class. But I think for now, like, you know, most of the deals have seemed pretty fair. I mean, like, I haven't had a chance to, like, go through all the deals. I think maybe we'll spend the week doing that before we record our next podcast. And maybe we can really see if there were any really, really bad deals. But, yeah, there were – I think there was another deal that you want to talk about. I mean, we talked about the Panarin deal, the Ajo and the Meyer, but we kind of preluded about the San Jose Sharks there. So when do the Dow Stars just become just a retirement home? I mean, some people have left a retirement home like Justin, Jason Spezza. Yeah, but you add a 34-year-old Joe Pavelski and a 35-year-old Corey Perry? A broken Corey Perry. Basically, yeah. And I get it. You know, Corey Perry's coming cheap at a million and a half with a million and seven-five at and bonuses that he can reach. But I think more importantly right now, it's a roster spot he's taken up. I I guess, but like... I think that since they've tasted, you know, playoff success, they've kind of, you know, want to continue that maybe. Like yeah, so like for me, like the Pavelski deal, my concern is the term. And when it comes to Corey Perry deal, it's just why I don't feel there's a real reason why they should really be having well Corey Perry on team. Like I think with the Pavelski deal. Like, that's the one thing Dallas never really had. Like, they never had that guy on the second line that could, you know, drive the offense. Like, that's what they had with Lucarello, I think, um, for, I mean, like, he didn't get to play much for them after that injury in the first game. But they never had that, you know, they had a Sagan Ben Radulov line and that carried the offense every game, but they never had that, like, second line. Yeah, no, line I'm saying that. he's a good fit, but. Two years from now, is he going to be that useful at $7 million? Well, it, you know, it might be similar to, like, the Marlowe deal. Like, when Patrick Marlowe was in free agency, right? Like maybe when no one was offering him three years, but only, you know, Dallas was offering him three years. Or maybe they were the only one team that was offering $7 million, so he took it. So, I mean, I don't know what – I think Dallas knew they needed to get that second-line stud in. I mean, Pabowski, he's still a really, really good player, but, I mean – he, they, they've done, they, you know, I, I believe Dallas must have done their research, right? They did his, they looked at his medical history, especially after the playoffs. They've, you know, made sure that you know he's healthy enough and that he can contribute to this team. So, I think the Pavelski deal, like I would prefer it if they got back Max Zuccarello, but I think they're just worried about giving up that first back to New York. But I don't mind the Pavelski deal. The term could hurt them in a while, but I think they're looking at this year and next as. You know, they do have a chance, especially with Sagan and Ben in their prime. All right, so that's my concern, and those are my deals. What do you have left? Are there any deals you want to talk about? Well, I mean, like, back to your Corey Pear deal. I mean, he, he's at $1.5 million, right? Like, if he turns out that he's terrible, right? You bury that contract. He only costs you just over four hundred k on the cap, right? Like, it, it's a high-risk well, it's a it's a low risk deal. I don't say high risk. Like you could maybe he turns into like a good depth, you know, fifteen goal throws his body around on the power play. You know, do you really want his body being thrown around with his injury concerns? Well, I mean, 
for him maybe, but like I mean, he's on a one year deal, so I mean, if Dallas might not really care too much about that. So I I, I don't mind that pair deal. Like it's a high risk, high reward deal. All right. I'm low risk, low risk, low risk, high like low. I can can live with that. I can live with that. Yeah. But you know, like I mean, there's definitely a lot of other deals that we could talk about today. But there's just so many deals. Um, I don't know. I think that we kind of went through the deals that we kind of want to talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about more of them next week when we kind of get to look through them. I think we're just both puckered out. You know, we watched the Florida's game. We've been moving, so a lot of very tired. That being said, I think uh, we're gonna. Talk again next week, and uh, we'll have more deals then. Um, so yeah, well, thanks everyone for listening to us talk, even though we are both exhausted. Um, we love you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. The Bag of Pucks podcast. Follow us at BOP underscore pod for more random hockey news.